In your corner with Core Physical Therapy, my name is Scott McKenzie, and this podcast is uniquely positioned. And what I mean by that, we bring the medical industry, the medical professionals to you, and we talk about better pain management, we talk about rehab after surgery, we talk about improved mobility, and we talk about preventative care, and you know what else? We talk about so much more on this particular podcast. Now, thank you for joining this podcast, so let's get on with the interview. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Core Physical Therapy in Your Corner podcast. Today, we have some really awesome panel guests with us. We're going to be discussing uh, knee pain and when the doctor becomes the patient. Um, Before we get started, I just want to refer everybody to our Core Physical Therapy website. This is going to be a great resource for you to be able to find locations nearest you, um, locate the doctors that may be on this panel, and um, some great therapy tools for you to uh, sink your teeth in. But without further ado, I would like to I would like to introduce first our panelists. Um, I will start with Dr. Molinar. Do you think that you could tell us a little bit about yourself, Dr. Molinar? Yes. Um... Thanks for having us on and getting, giving us an opportunity to talk about knee pain. Um, I'm Daniel Molinar. I went to undergrad in San Antonio at St. Mary's and uh, went to medical school in the Caribbean, American University of the Caribbean. Um, and I completed my residency at, at University of Massachusetts. And um, now I'm practicing in the Palm Beach uh, County area doing primary care. Awesome. How was uh, practicing or how was going to school in the Caribbean? That must have been hard to get into class when you have all that nice scenery around you. Um, Yeah, it was still medical school, but it was nice. It was different. I'm sure it was. And uh, how about our other doc? How about we introduce ourselves? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Vinay Bamidapati, or I go by Dr. Bami. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show. Um, a little bit about myself. So I uh, grew up uh, just outside Atlantic City in southern New Jersey. Um, went to undergrad and got my master's in New York City at Columbia University. Um, I also went to medical school with uh, Dr. Molinar in the Caribbean, uh, American University of Caribbean. Um, also went to residency at University of Massachusetts. Um, and now I am a board certified family physician practicing in Broward County. Awesome. Thank you guys both so much for joining us. Um, Our last panelist is our senior clinic manager and doctor of physical therapy, Krista Kroon. Krista, you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Of course. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Um, My name is Krista Kroon. Um, I'm from Buffalo, New York. I did my all of my schooling at Duville College and I've been with Cora now for three and a half years. Um, and prior to that, I was actually being a traveling PT. Oh, awesome. So it looks like all of you guys got a little bit of traveling under your belt before you landed in South Florida. Pretty cool. So the first thing that I want to kind of get into here is the topic of knee pain in general. So which one of you doctors has personally experienced a little bit of knee pain on yourself? Uh, well, yeah, so, uh, I actually recently had a recent experience with some knee pain. Uh, I was unfortunate enough to uh, kind of suffer an injury. Um, it actually happened a few months ago at this point. Um, 
So a little bit about myself, uh, a little bit more, I guess, to add to the story. I grew up a uh, pretty competitive tennis player. Um, I play, ended up playing Division One in college, um, you know, high school, all that stuff. Um, so one of the ways I really like to keep in shape is on a tennis court. Um, so a couple months ago, I, I recently just started to get back into it, um, trying to lose some weight for the summer, you know. Um, Got to get rid and, of the dad bod, get into your summer bod. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, I guess I just, there was nothing that specifically happened. Um, I kind of played one night for a few hours and the next morning I woke up in significant knee pain. Um, My knee was swollen. It was really hard to kind of move around on it, bear weight. Um, Yeah. uh, You know, I kind of went into doctor mode a little bit and kind of did like a quick self-exam on myself at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was, you know, no, no like red flags I saw, um, which was weird because it was a lot of pain. Um, weirdly enough, you know, I, I swing my legs around and kind of try to bear weight a little bit and, uh, I can walk painfully. Um, and you can hobble fact, around and look a little bit like a pirate, but you can right, exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm noticing a little bit of swelling in my knees, doing like a quick exam. Um, you know, feeling the medial joint line, the lateral joint line, um, doing like a Thessaly's test where I'm kind of, um, spinning around on my knee a little bit to see if the meniscus is intact. Um, and, and I can take a couple steps, um, painful steps and it does get better with a few steps, which was weird. Um, but yeah, like, uh, kind of scary for me. Um, so from a doctor's perspective, when you are having that kind of knee pain and you're kind of in that, I'm not sure where to proceed. What do you do from there? Do you immediately, transition into like, you know, contacting a close colleague, um, like Dr. Bami, or are you contacting a therapist? What's your next move? Um, well, like I said, I kind of did a quick self-exam on myself and there were two parts of me. There's this like patient athlete side on one shoulder and like the doctor side on another shoulder. And, uh, you know, the, the doctor is going, well, there's nothing terribly wrong here and I don't really have a point of trauma and there's no red flags but then the athlete patient side of me is sitting here going but this is not normal this is this is not me just overdoing it this isn't muscle soreness this isn't like there's something wrong here um so I did reach out and and I tried to um kind of go see one of my colleagues at work um I had him do a quick knee exam on me um tell me what he thought um and we ended up doing, doing some imaging, uh, got an x-ray and, uh, and an ultrasound actually, which I think is a, is a very useful modality um, when we're talking about knee pain. And can I pause you there for a second? Because I want to really um, allow our listeners to know the difference. I know in, um, when I see a lot of patients, patients often have difficulties differentiating what kind of imaging is most important to a doctor in these kind of situations. So in your opinion, you said that ultrasound was really helpful. What leads you to um, the differences in imaging and how do you recommend that for your patients? Well, that's, if I can jump in on that. Um, yeah, of course. It's the initial knee exam is something that happens pretty frequently. Um, we have to do it very frequently in the office. I think probably daily, multiple times, um, different age categories and different kind of uh, reasons or causes. So initially figuring out 
um, if this is an urgent or an acute case is part of that. Um, and ultrasound allows for the detection of things like fluid. Um, you know, there's no real radiation. It's, it's readily available in many places, which, which makes it very nice when it is. Uh, and that, I think that's part of something that goes into consideration. Yeah, absolutely. So for a patient that isn't really sure presenting similar to you, there's no traumatic incident, there's anything like that. What is your move um, prior to imaging? Is imaging always your first recommendation for these patients to kind of get that underlying cause? Well, I guess there's different ways to go about this. One is the actual indications for imaging. And, and most of the time, no, we don't need a lot of imaging. Um, in fact, trying to follow up, trying to hold off on imaging actually buys us a bit of time and allows for some of the, some of the improvement we think over time anyway. Um, hmm. I don't know, Benai, what do you think about ultrasound? Um, I mean, I think, ultra, imaging, I, I think exactly what Dr. Molinar just said. I think, um, you know, a lot of patients expect imaging right away and it's not always necessary with a good clinical exam. Um, there's a lot of major things that you can rule out like ligamentous injuries and, meniscal injuries and other things, um, just based on a clinical exam. Um, I think a lot of times x-rays and other imaging modalities like MRIs and stuff can kind of lead us down a cascade of ordering things that we may or may not need and kind of bring, you know, uh, you, you're always going to find something on imaging. It doesn't mean it's the reason for your pain is kind of the way I think about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think Krista could kind of tag in a little bit on this. I know in my personal experience with my patients, a lot of them often want that imaging right away to kind of quote unquote, like show what is wrong. Um, but I think that's a really good point that sometimes it can kind of cascade into other things. And we're kind of going down a rabbit hole really quickly. Krista, what tests would you start out with, with your patients before they jump into imaging? I agree with all of you. It's very true. I don't know how many times, you know, one of the front desk girls is coming back to grab me because a patient doesn't want to schedule their PT eval yet until they know what's wrong with them. You know, they say this all the time. Well, I don't want to come to PT yet. I need to know exactly what's wrong. How is my therapist going to help me when they don't know what's going on? Um, so it takes, you know, that extra bit of education. You know, I personally will get on the phone and educate that patient on, you don't need imaging before you come to us. The doctor ordered, you know, I let them know, like the script is already written for the PT. He would like you to start this. So then you're, you get this ball rolling. And then yes, if he did order an MRI or an x-ray or, you know, whatever test he did order, you're, you can start PT first before you get that. Um, when it comes to my initial evaluation with, you know, test and measure, it just depends on a lot on that subjective history. Um, we kind of take it one step further when it comes to PT. So we do a lot of the same tests and measures, you know, we're talking about Thessaly's, McMurray's, Apley. Um, we're going to perform all those as well. But then we also look at it more of a, what is this patient's deficits and limitations? And what am I going to do to address these to get them back to where they need to be? Absolutely. And would you agree that, um, you know, you're going to try and do as, many testing as possible before you're sending people out for all of these expensive tests, as I'm sure a lot of patients get really nervous about the expense factor and, you know, weighing out all of their options. Well, that's, that's kind of the challenge, to be honest with you, of the knee evaluation. You're trying to determine whether or not this person can function, if their pain mm -hmm. is tolerable, um, or if there's something you can do to help them get to that point. And, and if not, then certainly physical therapy on my perspective as a, as a primary care provider 
is a huge opportunity to improve people's pain and to help build the confidence that they need to kind of get back into their you know, limited function and eventually back to normal function. So, you know, what is the impact of this? What is the impact of the injury or the, the knee pain or the underlying um, condition with the patient? And is there anything in the lifestyle that we can adjust? Um, is there, you know, different targets that we need to do in terms of overuse to have people back down? So there's a lot that goes into it. And it's, it's, to be honest with you, it's a little bit complex, but as the physician, when you're first evaluating somebody, that's what you're taking into consideration. When did this start? How did it happen? How has the progression been over time? How is your function through this process? You know, are you having swelling? So some of those other, cause there's a lot that runs through our mind in the differential. And this conversation is really about non-traumatic kind of uh, overuse, maybe even uh, common knee pain that we see. So for a, um, a, a lay person, for a patient who is unfamiliar with, um, you know, all of our testing and the things that you as a doctor were able to kind of evaluate yourself and, you know, kind of eliminate some of your worst case scenario things for our patients that love to use Dr. Google, <laughs> what, is, um, what is your recommendation for first thing? As, start as, you, as soon as you start feeling this pain, what is their first move that they should make? Um, so I think one of the first things I know I did that morning is like what we call like rice therapy. I wanted to rest my knee. I wanted to put ice on it and I took some NSAIDs, um, Advil specifically, and I wanted to give it some time. Um, mm -hmm. th those are kind of the first things I always say to patients because a lot of times they do run in and right after something happened and they haven't even tried like some basic things that you can do to kind of you know, help yourself feel better. Um, they haven't taken any anti-inflammatories. They haven't tried any Tylenol. They haven't put any ice on their knee. And ice is one of my big things as an athlete. You know, we all, we're always icing everything right. Growing up. Um, I, I mean, it, it just substantially helps. It's a, it's an anti-inflammatory with no side effects. Um, you can't overdo it almost. Um, so icing is a big one for me. Yeah. As a kid, my mom was always like, put a little ice on it and a bandaid. You'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so how often, how prevalent is general knee pain in the patients that you guys see? Like, how often are you seeing this on a regular basis in, um, your, your communities? Well, I think I assess it like, I, I, it's hard to describe so, some weeks. It seems that it's very common. And, and honestly, other times it seems like it's just part of what a primary care doctor does. When I evaluate knee pain, it's, it's rare that I get an opportunity just to focus on knee pain. I'm usually trying to do additional problems or follow up on a previous test or, or something else. So, um, so you want to be able to do it. Uh, you want to be able to consider basically a front to back kind of evaluation. So um, just to give some statistics, kind of help us understand what we're working with is one in four adults at some point is going to talk to their physician about knee pain. Um, that's something that's increased over the last 20 years perhaps because of better treatment or better understanding or the, you know, for many reasons, but there's about 4 million primary care visits each year that are, that are um, for knee pain. And the limitations can be significant from not being able to drive or make it to work um, and really negatively impact people's quality of life. So if it is one of those cases, you know, you, you want to evaluate as best as you can. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, when do you feel as though you transition as a doctor um, into escalating it as a primary physician, escalating it into you need to possibly see a specialist like an orthopedic um, doctor or uh, deciding whether or not the appropriate way to uh, send your patient would be to therapy to come to either 
OT or PT for function, um, you know, any of those things? Well, I, I guess it's funny you mentioned this. It was very a very interesting experience being the patient on the side of things um, this time. Um, I think as a doctor, I try to not escalate it as much as possible. I want to treat conservatively as much as possible. I want to try to avoid a surgery or a procedure. Um, but I will say, you know, back kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, knowing what was wrong, I really did want to know what was wrong. Um, as a patient, I, I really did get to experience this idea of, I want to know what's wrong so I can create a plan, figure out when I'm going to get back to, you know, normal activity. I want to know how long it's going to take. I want to know what's going on. Um, so I kind of empathize with when patients tell me they want to know exactly, they want that imaging, um, mm -hmm. they want that ultrasound, that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. um, or the MRI. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I feel like as, uh, as therapists and doctors, sometimes we can, uh, use our, you know, logic and just general understanding of the healthcare fields in general to just kind of say, hey, you know, we're not going to escalate this so quickly, but more often than not, like you said, everyone just wants answers at the end of the day. No one wants this to be a lingering issue. So I think that that's, that's a cool thing that you were able to realize from a patient's perspective. Hey, like, while I recognize that this may not be a serious issue, I still don't want it to go unlooked at or unseen. I want to know exactly what's going on and what's causing it. Right. And this kind of ties back to what we were talking about, how it impacts your quality of life a lot. Like, um, you know, for me, I like being active. I like to go running. I like to play tennis. I like, and it, you know, having this injury just kind of, you know, put all that on the shelf for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you know, you, you want to, you want a timeline. I want to know how long it's going to take for me to get back to normal. Um, and as a patient, I think it's hard to understand that, without an actual diagnosis, we can still come up with that timeline as providers and provi yeah. So Krista, if you want to weigh in a little bit on that, what in your initial evaluation, when you're seeing these patients with knee pain, are you educating them on as far as their timeline goes and what their plan of care might look like, what they can expect in the future to get them back to function and whatever activities that, you know, they enjoy participating in? Yeah, no, it's very similar to, you know, what the docs are saying when it comes to, you know, they do that at the end of every session, I always ask every patient, what other questions do you have for me? <laughs> and the first question always is, how long until I get better? How long till I get back to normal? And, and it brings it back to number one, okay, what is your normal? You need to be running. Are you going to be going to the gym? Are you an athlete? Or are you just going to be sitting at home and you need to be able to walk from your couch to your kitchen or be able to walk the dog? So what is the normal? And then, you know, trying to, I do give them a time frame. You know, I say everyone's different. I can't sit here and give you an exact time, but if you're going to work on this, this, and this, what we came up with during your evaluation, I can promise you, you're going to be working towards getting towards those goals within, you know, whatever time I deem to be about when I think they'll get better. That's awesome. So this is kind of a question for all of you guys. How do you come together as a cohesive multidisciplinary team? So as the docs are referring to the therapists and then the therapists are, you know, following that plan of care, how do you guys work together to best serve these patients to make sure that they're having the best outcomes on both sides, getting the imaging they need, you know, the correct exercise or, you know, stretching or whatever from therapy? How does that multidisciplinary team look like and come together? Well, <clears throat> I mean, for me, 
as often as possible is better. Uh, if this is in form of a, a written kind of statement on, on progress, um, addressing kind of goals or, or why certain patients are not meeting them or, or, you know, to be honest with you, it works. Physical therapy works great. So I lean on them whenever I can, putting it that way. Um, but whenever I have a patient who really needs a little bit more guidance, who can't kind of follow uh, a routine that I even just show them in the clinic, then that's when I'm wondering, can a physical therapist maximize this patient's efforts? Um, you know, like Vinay, for example, rep represents somebody who had very good potential to learn physical therapy moves and to carry out a plan. Um, and he's still somebody who, who was in the hands of a therapist and had improvement. So um, it's difficult because we're in different centers, but with technology, with, you know, honestly, as much education as possible, it seems like it's yeah. possible to pull it together. I mean, patients generally improve. That's why we lean on the conservative um, kind of approach. It, it's nice and it's gratifying to see people get better um, avoid that disability and get back to function. Right. So from what are some, no, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Krista. Yeah. As I said, from my end, I make sure too, I always um, address what the doctor wrote on the script. You know, I have that conversation with the patient. So they're aware that I looked at what, you know, the doc is sending them here for, you know, we've discussed it and I make sure if there's any, you know, things specific that that doc wants that we're going to make sure we do that. And I have that discussion with the patient. So they know that you're right. Maybe I'm not talking to the doc every day, but I, we know what he's recommending and I'm going to follow what he's recommending as well. Yeah, absolutely. So presenting as a united front, I think right. that communication in the, the multidisciplinary team is so important because when the confidence comes from the patient that their doctor and their therapists are all, you know, together and they're all talking together and they know exactly what's going on. Um, it just presents a lot more confidence and a lot more ease of mind for the patients that are a little bit, you know, apprehensive because they've never had an injury before. Or they've never gone into therapy before. Um, that being said, I will, I will say, you know, Dr. Mullen and I, and I, we, we do lean on our physical therapists a lot and because partly because we do believe in physical therapy and how much it can benefit a patient. But there is a little bit of a disconnect um, between how much your primary care provider knows, like a, your average primary care provider knows about what goes on in the physical therapist's office. I will admit that. And I do think that, you know, just as a, in general, we could do better about communicating with each other and learning from each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you feel as though um, the patients, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the patients that um, you know, with all this technology are saying, Hey, you know, I have such a busy schedule. I can't get in, you know, for physical therapy. How do you feel like the F L efficacy of this COVID, you know, uh, world that we're living in and doing telehealth therapy and telehealth doctor's visits is beneficial to these patients, or is it not beneficial? And you would prefer to see these patients in person. Clinical history helps us understand kind of better who we can help, but a physical exam is so important when you're, especially for that initial evaluation, it's a, it's a challenge to try to do something like that through, through a, at least for me to, through something like a, a telemedicine visit. I don't know what PTs kind of would comment about that. <laughs> we actually recorded data. So when we use photo, which is an outcome measure tool for us, that helps us determine. So the patient takes it on initial visit and it's a tool that asks them basic um, like questions on how much difficulty they have doing certain activities. So example, say it's okay. A knee patient. 
Um, we can pick if it's a surgery, then we obviously add that into so the questions are going to be different. But if it's just general knee pain, when we fill out the survey and we give it to the patient, ask them, how much difficulty do you have walking one mile? They picked it. It goes from unable, extreme, much, little, no difficulty. Um, climbing stairs might be a question. And the questions change based on what the patient answers. So if it answers extreme difficulty or unable, it's going to give them an easier question. So it's almost like a, you know, a logarithm. So we take that initial score, then every six visits, we give them that photo um, questionnaire again. And actually, when you look at our patients who were receiving and still do receive telehealth, their outcomes are just as good as the patients who come into the clinic, which was mind blowing for me, I know, because um, you, you know, as a physical therapist, like, I want to put my hands on people, you know, like, I want to touch them, I want to mobilize those joints, I really want to, that's how we feel things, you know, it's through our hands. So it was really cool to see that data that we took as a company by using that tool called photo. I think that that's exciting. And I think that's promising. I, I mean, how great would it be if we all had easier access to this kind of resources or are at home or after work. Um, it is a challenge. And a lot of times when we're assessing many different things, I mean, we're talking to patients about weight. We're talking about the medications they're using, about how they're, how they're getting around at home, if they're surfing around their furniture. So, I mean, it's a big discussion and clinical history is very powerful. It's, imp- it's so important. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel like um, you guys educate your patients on the best ways to kind of keep track of their clinical history. I know um, in the elder population, especially that we treat at Quora Physical Therapy, often they come in with a laundry list of different medications they're on and things, and they often get a little bit confused. How do you talk to your patients about how to manage all of those things in conjunction with these new problems that are arising, such as knee pain, hip pain, all of those things? That's an it's, excellent question. It's a challenge it's for sure. <laughs> I mean, there's just different different ways to do it, but um, you know, it has to be a patient-centered approach, which is kind of the difficulty in answering some of these questions. Is you really have to take the individual patient and see where it is that they're struggling, and you know, for that, you have to just talk to them. Yeah, yeah. So this comes back to looking at what patient goals are. The same way we talked about earlier, like, um, what are you trying to get out of this visit? What are, What are you looking to do? Uh, what kind of improvements in your health are you looking for? But one way that people track their their own uh, their own progress and their own um, abilities over time is their function. I mean, some some people love to run. Some people go on five mile walks every day. And and asking them and figuring out if that's what their goal is will really help you. You know, maybe comment on their weight or maybe try to optimize their medication or quite frankly get rid of some of the medications, especially if they're an older patient. That's why these um, evidence based kind of modalities that improve patient pain control um, are so exciting. So you want to tell me a little bit more about that? So I know a lot of my patients in particular are very leery about, you know, just throwing anti-inflammatories and different, you know, medication at problems a lot more prevalently. Now people are looking for a more holistic approach. So what is the evidence-based research out there to kind of show that there are other options other than medication management for problems like knee pain? So there's, there's a lot of treatments out there. I'm not sure how much I can get into, um, but I'll mention that there's things that have proven pathways and, and improvement and that there's things that, that maybe don't. Yeah. So um, a lot of, a lot of different things out there. I mean, so you talk about braces, you talk about foot orthotics, you can talk about, Um, you know, a lot of people are into glucosamine and chondroitin for their joints, turmeric supplements, 
um, acupuncture even. And to be honest, a lot of them have unclear benefit. Um, I'll mention, for example, that, um, uh, which one we're talking about? <laughs> uh, the, oh, no, no, I like the acupuncture actually. Um, I was actually gonna comment more on the glucosamine chondroitin. Um, I have so many patients who, who tell me it works and that they're better on it. And it's hard to tell them that there's no real evidence for that, but if it's helping them, then sure, there's really not a lot of complications from it either. Right. And same thing. Crystal will agree that from a therapeutic standpoint, we often will hear the same thing about certain modalities that we put into place as well. While the evidence may not be there, the big one is kind of like without, you know, calling it the placebo effect. It is the placebo effect. If it makes you feel better, then I'm not opposed to it. Right. And so that's kind of the way I feel about things. I'm totally okay with it as long as there's no, not too many adverse effects and you're benefiting from it. I'm, I'm all for it. But I mean, a lot of these do not have real great evidence, like the turmeric, the glucosamine we talked about, acupuncture. There's no super clear benefit for any of those things. Can I just mention my dad for that one? He, he was <laughs> meeting chondroitin. And I've had this conversation, I mean, boy, a lot of people. So, but I'm not going to tell my dad to stop taking his glucosamine because for him, that's going to make the difference. So, yeah, absolutely. And what is the importance? And no, go ahead. Sorry, uh, there was one supplement that has actually been shown to be as effective as taking an NSAID in reducing pain and disability and maybe a slightly better safety profile. And that's, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. It's called SAMe, S-adenosylmethionine. I, don't, I hope I said that right. I'm really <laughs> bad with these names, but. Um, Listen, if you, if you didn't say it right, I would butcher it worse. So we'll <laughs> go with that. Um, but yeah, there was like a, a meta-analysis of some randomized controlled trials that found that this supplement was just as effective as NSAIDs. That's excellent, especially for our patients that are already on a lot of different medications that may be contraindicated to be taking NSAIDs with, you know, frequently our patients that are having, you know, um, problems with their stomach or kidneys or liver, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Yep. And then to, to that effect, I will just mention, uh, you know, a lot of people, I feel like underestimate the uh, efficacy of just plain old Tylenol. Um, technically, Tylenol is the drug of choice by the American College of Rheumatology. Um, it is very safe and liver toxicity is very rare. Um, in combination with an NSAID, it's, it's pretty good pain control. Um, it's also non-sedating. Um, it's non-habit forming and it's very inexpensive. So it's a good medication. Yeah. So a lot of times yeah. when patients tell me that, you know, the NSAIDs aren't working, I'll, I'll have them take some Tylenol in, in addition. Shout to out it. to Tylenol. They should sponsor us. Just <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Tylenol sponsor. Yeah. Send us some boxes of Tylenol and some Tylenol swag. <laughs> I'll wear the shirt at Cora. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just to kind of wrap things up and, you know, put it all together with these patients that are coming in with generalized knee pain, let's kind of go from start to finish with they're coming in, they're seeing the docs, the docs are sending them over to Cora. Cora is going to, you know, treat them as conservatively as possible. We're trying to keep it as conservative as possible all the way around. So these patients don't escalate too quickly. What is the right time to tell the patient, okay, this is about as you know, good as we're going to get unless we go and escalate a little bit further. How long do you give that for a patient typically? Or is that a case to case thing? 
Yeah, it's probably probably most strong most strongly a case to case kind of answer, and I think that's why at the end of the day, the more physical exam findings we can get, the more direction or diagnosis kind of work we can accomplish initially. It really helps us know that you know maybe the six weeks or the twelve weeks that they've been working with the physical therapies were were, were well intended and and had good rehab potential. Um, but when that starts to change, and I'm not sure that it's a time-based um, response, then, then yes, then we've got to do more. Krista, from your perspective, what is um, the time that you kind of cut the cord with your patients and let them fly the nest? <laughs> I don't know if I like the word cut the cord. <laughs> I don't think I, I never fully cut them off. Um, so it's getting them as independent as possible. So a lot of this comes with education. Everyone knows when I treat, I'm, I let every patient know, like, you can't come to me forever. You're coming here so I can teach you what you need to learn in order to better manage this condition yourself for the next year. You know, maybe it's a couple of years, you know, maybe this is chronic and you've had this now for five years. So this is something that you're going to have to work on forever. You know, it's like someone who has high blood pressure, you're taking medication for that. Well, you need to do stretches and exercises for your knee pain every day. Um, and we send them off with that um, MedBridge, shout out to MedBridge, HEP program, um, so that they can still communicate with me and they have their exercises to keep doing at home for however long as needed. So Krista, I'm really happy you mentioned this actually, because I get patients that come to me all the time and they say, oh yeah, I completed physical therapy. I still have pain, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I say the same thing to them. I'm like, you know, just because you finished, completed the course of physical therapy with the therapist doesn't mean you shouldn't be performing the things that they taught you at, on your own time. Mm -hmm. um, I love that you say that because- I say it to every single one. How many times I discharge a patient from PT? They're good. They know everything they need to do. They've met their PT goals. Are they pain-free? Not a hundred percent, but we're as good as, you know, we're going to get them right now. And then two weeks later, I got another script from the doctor for them to come back for the same exact thing. And I'm like, I just discharged you. So then I have to, you know, and it's like, um, and I think a lot of it just comes, I think the patient goes back to the doc and they're like, well, oh, the physical therapy was working. So the doc just like sends another script and oh, yeah, well, here, keep going. But <laughs> we can't treat them forever. You know, if we're not seeing linear progress. Um, we, just, we can't keep treating someone for years. <laughs> that, that's kind of what makes it a, I would think that's, I mean, for me, that that's what kind of makes it a, a patient um, centered kind of approach when addressing mm -hmm. knee pain, because there's a lot of diagnosis that we haven't even touched on, um, which need optimizing in a different way, in a weight management way, or in a, a, you know, managing expectations kind of way, or in a modification of activity level. It's just, so it's, it's very tough to say that there's, um, there's not a patient to patient or case to case kind of approach to this. So Krista, do you think that MedBridge is a good platform having a little bit of experience personally with it um, for that good connection between the multidisciplinary team so that, you know, the doctors are able to kind of see exactly what we're doing with the patients and, you know, the carryover and things like that. Yeah, that's a great idea, especially because now that, you know, everyone is transitioning more into, um, you know, virtual, you know, they're, you know, the elderly are more tech savvy, so they're using your phone, their, their phones more. So with us sending them that, having them download the app 
and then virtually sending them their exercises where they can see the videos. It's awesome. They could go back to their dad and be like, Hey, listen, this is my program that my physical therapist gave me and they can actually show them. <laughs> yeah. We had a therapist just the other day tell us how awesome it was that their 85 year old mother, while she received the printout for her exercises, <laughs> we were able to email the daughter let her know these are the exercises that we want your mom to do. So everyone was in the loop. So then when her 85 year old mother said, you know, I'm a little confused. The doc, uh, you know, the therapist gave me this printout. I don't see her for another few days and I don't know how to do this exercise. The daughter was able to log in via her phone and say, Hey mom, I have your exercises too. So it kind of ties it all together, which is really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for everybody joining us tonight. I really appreciate it. I feel like we've, you know, touched on a lot of really important topics for our patients and um, we've really cleared up a lot of questions, but I want um, all of our patients to have the opportunity to be able to reach out to all of us. So if the docs want to kind of give us um, just a way for their patients or anybody listening who may want to come and see you guys you know, they're looking for a new primary doctor, where can they reach you guys? Um, so for me, I have a Twitter account at Dr. Bami uh, uh, on Twitter. And uh, typically uh, I have a work uh, or I mean, uh, a personal email, just first name, last name, nd at gmail.com with any questions. Awesome. What about you, Dr. Molinar? <clears throat> so uh, I guess, I don't know if we just did any kind of disclosure stuff, but I, I don't work for CORE. I'm not connected with you guys in really not too much of a way. We we do share some kind of practice, I guess. But um, yeah, I'm, I work for Sanitas in Boca Raton, and I'll be happy to help anybody with knee pain at any time. Awesome. And Krista, if we want to contact you and get a physical therapy evaluation, how do we find you? Great question, right? Um, no. So, <laughs> Where in the world is Krista? <laughs> All over the place. Where am I not? Mm-hmm. Um, the Fort Lauderdale Clinic located in Plantation, um, Florida, is my main clinic. But they can go ahead and email me personally at kkroon at corahealth.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. I think it's been awesome. And again, if anybody has any questions, um, we are going to link everybody's information on where to reach Krista, where to find these doctors. And as always, you can visit the forephysicaltherapy.com and uh, come and take us a visit at any of our locations. Have a great night, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks everybody. Thanks, yep. Lindsay. Thanks, everyone.